Hello dear listeners and welcome to the Infinite Escape Room Pubisode Edition. You join our gang just after they've finished escaping John's Penguin House and they take a seat in the Baron Penguin Pub, talk about bleak drink origins, the value of newbie teammates in escape rooms, philosophy and, inevitably, penguins. Really, quite a bit about penguins. Okay, and uh, here we are at the the Baron Penguin, which, for clarity, is a penguin with a cape and some sort of crown and and little um, tiny fish servants, not a penguin that's struggling with laying an egg, for clarity. It's on the sign, Michael. It's on the fucking sign. Anyway, we're in. Um, Christ, this place is full. Uh, despite the name (laughs) Jamie could you go and break wind near that uh, gag of crayfish over there and we'll knit their table fantastic give me just a second (sighs) nicely done okay my round lads what we having Uh, I think what I am having uh, a Penderin single malt uh, which is a lovely Welsh whiskey. I get a bottle every year from my mother-in-law. Bloody love this stuff. It's reliable. And I'm having it just with a single cube of ice. Uh, and it's absolutely divine. My tipple of choice. So you know that like with Scotch whiskey, you, you go to hell if you drink it with ice, right? Is it the same with Welsh whiskey or is that more permissible? I think, it, uh, okay, so the right way to drink whiskey is however you enjoy whiskey. Ooh, I think a- anybody... Anybody who tells you no, I think anybody who tells you different can, quite frankly, stick their head in a wood chipper and turn it on. <laughs> um, yeah, I like that they have to turn it on after they put the head in. Yeah, yeah, and they have to be the one. They have to reach round and press the button. Yep, that's fair. And I'm Jamie, and I'm having a Infinite Escape Room Classic, a Hobgoblin Gold, delicious, oh, lovely. Ah, oh. yeah. I mean, ninety percent of it is just me loving the label. But luckily, it is a delicious beer. I, mm. I'm right there with you with Hobgoblin. I strongly suspect that if the label was different, I wouldn't buy it. Yeah, it's it's one of these examples of the power of marketing. Because every time I do buy it and I drink it, I'm like, mm, you're fine, but you're kind of just fine and a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah, if they called it Queef Fountain Mauve, I suppose it would probably be. You know, I would. I would still probably buy it out of interest, though. Uh, yeah, Can I get a bottle yeah. of Queef Fountain Mauve, please, barkeep. <laughs> I I wonder if you got Old Speckled Hen and Hobgoblin and changed the labels, or like, no, not Nuki Brown, Old Speckled Hen, then no one would know the bloody... I I would absolutely uh, know the difference. Old Speckled Hen, I wouldn't even think about buying based on the label. It doesn't, yeah, it's not got a mythical creature on the bottle, which is 90% of my Mm, decisions. It's all a bit Tory voter, isn't it? Yeah, Hobgoblin, though. Ah, that's that's a revolution. That's what what that smells like. Mm, That smells like deviancy. That's me. <laughs> um, and I shall be having a 2008 vintage port to polish off the new With a little glass. Mm. Lovely. However, there is there is a bleak story behind this port. <laughs> of course there is. Of course there's a bleak I story. I shot a man for this. Slightly, slightly <laughs> undermines the um, uh, the conceit of this whole thing. But okay. So um, we got given a bottle of this lovely port, lovely organic port by my younger sister for Christmas. And a couple of weeks ago, Sinead and I decided to open it. So I got the corkscrew out, you know, dug into the cork and started winding. And the cork started disintegrating. Oh, no. no. In the bottle, I couldn't get it out. Half of it was just just in the pour. And it, that's death. That's absolute death if the cork is just shattered in there. So I thought, okay, fuck. This is quite expensive wine. 
we have to salvage this somehow. So we emptied the port into a jug. The worst of the cork stayed in the bottle. But there's still a load of little bits in the jug. So then we sieved it. But there's still a load of little bits. So then we needed something like a like a muslin or um or something, some kind of cloth to pass it through. Could not find anything appropriate until I found some boxer shorts. Oh. <laughs> some boxer shorts that were past their best. A bit holy. Clean, clean. <laughs> Crucially clean. Like freshly laundered, but not gonna wear those again. And the fabric is just the right, made of bamboo. Fabric's just the right sort of weave to be a good filter. So I um, suspended, I say suspended, stretched the boxer shorts across another jug. And then we filtered the port through my pants. <laughs> uh, I then poured the port into a different wine bottle, which we could then recork to, to store it. Uh, but I had a problem because the pants were quite absorbent and they absorbed an awful lot of the port. So oh. I ended up wringing the pants out into my mouth <laughs> to try and get some of the delicious nectar. John, two things. It was genuinely a photo of me wringing my own pants into my mouth. We need this photo. This photo needs to go out with you. <laughs> that's, that's in the show notes, surely. But two things. First, is this just an elaborate story for how you've got red stains all over your pants? <laughs> Second, <laughs> when I when I introduced my whiskey and suggested there was a bit of ice in it, and you were like, "Oh, is that the way you drink whiskey?" As opposed to the man who is decanting ports through his own knickers. <laughs> Jesus, John! Out of necessity, I didn't want to do this. <laughs> the the problem, but I might as well enjoy you, it while I am. <laughs> you willingly put the ice in the glass. I had to filter this through my. I mean, you, you didn't have to wring it into your mouth though. That that was that's a. Yeah, I didn't have to. That was that was yeah. That's I mean, there's, there's bath there's bathtub gin. I've never heard a cod piece port before. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody right. has to filter port through their underpants, John. But if you do, Just... use bamboo because that's the stuff that's going to get it done. Yeah, that's the stuff. <laughs> Remind me not to accept a drink at your house, John. <laughs> Just in case. Depends on the drink. <laughs> hey, Mike, do you want to drink it from the can like an animal or from the glass poured by me? From the can. I want to see it from any sealed vessel, <laughs> factory sealed vessel, please, John. Like one of those countries where you don't drink the water. <laughs> mm. So, gentlemen, how did we find that room? I enjoyed it. I am annoyed at myself that we uh, went too far down the rabbit hole on one particular puzzle without enough information and then chose to not do the same thing that we did before once we had all the information yep. for that puzzle yep that was basically the trap um it was a pattern with a logic puzzle inside it and one would only work with the other completed mm. i thought i thought you'd figure basically i thought all the moving parts would come together quicker and you'd basically you'd realize that you needed more and you'd go back and fetch the key and we'll come to that in a minute um, and get the second sign <laughs> that, that it would just be a case of unraveling that but you pursued for so long with the original set of penguins even though half the room remained completely undone and untouched and you're like hmm, maybe it's the other way around maybe it's youngest first maybe it's the number of dots maybe with all of these completely uncued ideas rather than continuing to explore the room it was that, that is correct we see a see a thing that has the slightest glimmer of of an answer, I'm right, wait, we'll pursue that until it's dead. Every possible permutation. We will <laughs> square hole that triangle block. Let's turn it around. If we turn it around enough times, it might fit in. Um, as, yeah. as, I, was think, I was thinking about this while I was having our post-puzzle Wii, um, as one does. Mm. Um, but yeah I, I, yeah, I think we got lost in the metagame aspect of this. And I, I, 
think about this about real life escape rooms as well is that it's not just a case sometimes of thinking okay you know what's the puzzle in front of me but it's like what does the person who made this puzzle want me to do Mm. and i think i always expect john's mind to go in strange loopy ways so i very rarely go for the sensible solution (laughs) because i've already like my my brain has predetermined that it's like oh it's going to be some bizarre shit it's going to be something strange where like well everybody knows that penguins have a superfluous thumb on their beak and it'd be like (laughs) what you don't know that and 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 yeah and for it to actually be kind of well-structured puzzle stuff i think really threw me i wasn't expecting it uh because it was it was really it was it was fair you fuck (laughs) Uh, yeah and then it was so yeah so busy metagaming down the rabbit hole of being like well this you know weird basically my brain not going to the the simple solutions or the the straightforward solution because it's trying to think in curves i mean case in point a window that was perfectly openable (laughs) that we just thought well that's not gonna open that fucker's solid (laughs) i maintain (laughs) to be fair to michael i struggle with this a lot because i don't want to when you have an item that can be used when you find it, but you want you want that to be emergent, you want the team to discover that, it's really hard to describe it in such a way doesn't give the game away. that the team can discover that it's usable without you telling them how to use yeah. it. Because everyone knows that you can open windows, but at the same time, only some windows. And like you said in the in the episode, Mike, you would like, ah, this window that has a hinge upon it. I could have said that, but then you would have just instantly opened it. Yeah. I mean, we smashed it with a penguin in the end, didn't yeah. we? So, so it's yes. not a happy ending. <laughs> I mean, sorry, with a, I, I missed the with a penguin bit, so I'm going to have to edit in a I, I, penguin. No, I, th- I think I requested with a penguin. Yeah. I think Jamie just smashed it open, presumably using the old South Wales. Oh, I, no, I just headbutted it. If you had smashed it with a penguin and the penguin died, the puzzle would have become unsolvable. <laughs> <laughs> because hmm. when you went to feed the penguins... There would have been one, one crawling on the floor on a single <laughs> only, <thing>. only. <laughs> <laughs> Just one more fish Des- before death. <laughs> Desperate to take its place in line. I must, Master John says, I must be here fourth in line. <laughs> For the penguin throne. <laughs> but it's the same thing, but like, like um, when you like first start with these kinds of puzzles, you see a locked door, you see a door and it's not explicitly locked. It's not said. Hmm. At first you'll go, I'll see if I can open the door. And the door is almost almost certainly locked. So over time, you learn. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going to bother doing that because why would that be just open? And then every now and again, you're in a room where the door is just open, and the GM's looking at you and sending messages, going, "Guys, there's something really obvious yeah. that you have not tried here. Just open the fucking door." Yeah. In my in my old workplace, there was a door that the team opened with a key code very early on, and they opened the door, but the door's got a sort of self closing thing on it you know one of those kind of retracting things that closes it again and the amount of teams that when the door closes again thought that that meant that that whole bit of the room was now closed off oh yeah even though they could just put the key code in again and open the door again was hilarious (laughs) it was amazing people would go okay that's all that's all dead to us now that's all shut off no guys it's just the door closes you what the really smart teams were the teams that propped it open. It sounds so basic, but I could divide. I could draw a dividing line between the good teams and the bad teams with the ones who just thought, okay, this thing self-closes, we need it to be open. I'll just stick the toolbox against it or whatever, just something heavy to hold it there. There were lots of possibilities in the room to do that, and so many people just, just didn't, and then had to re-enter the code again and again and again and never thought to prop the door open. It's the interesting thing, and Jamie, you've probably got much more of this, 
just because of the sheer num- amount of puzzles that you're immersed in on a day-to-day basis. But there's an interesting thing in how doing a lot of it slightly changes how you think and approach them. Mm-hmm. Like basically you approach it almost like a toolkit. You go, oh, it's this kind of puzzle. And I think a lot of the time, that's what we're smelling. We're not even smelling what's the solution to this puzzle. We're smelling what type of puzzle is this. And once you smell the type of puzzle, you go, ah, okay, now I know to look for this bit and this bit. And you're kind of your mental schema build up, build up around that. However, that is also a trap, a potential trap. And again, in the real one, what I used to work in, um, I several times watched veteran teams completely fuck it, completely fuck it. And almost invariably, it was because they had decided what this how this puzzle worked i've done one of these it's the laser puzzle or whatever um and would come up with some incredible like reach of an answer that was nothing to do with what was in front of them based on previous experience rather than just letting the room give them the cues uh and i'd often say to teams in 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 the brief if they said oh we've got a newbie here i'd say good yeah really good that will help you because some because a fresh perspective who is not institutionalized by their own experience can be really good. And it was often the case. We did a brilliant room, an absolutely brilliant room um, in Milton Keynes. I'm going to get their name because I want to give them a shout out. Uh, this was not a brilliant room, Michael. Is this the room I'm thinking of? No, no, no. This is... That we did. No, this is not. This is... Uh, let's see. I had issues with that room. <laughs> I, we, we, have, we have it documented, John. We have your <laughs> issues with that room documented. Uh, hang on. Lazy. Here we go. Ba, 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 ba. Alexa cannot be the entire puzzle in a room. It's not okay. <laughs> what is it? Is it Amazon Alexa? Yes. Oh God! It was. It wasn't. Yes. It wasn't the entire puzzle. Just saying, throwing salad. It was the hardest puzzle. It was like the the penultimate. Anyways, anyway, ask Alexa. Uh, so shout out to uh, Cipher Escape Rooms in Bletchley uh, and Hut Seventeen, which is like it's it's easily the best escape room I've done in Milton Keynes. It was great beautifully designed wonderful wonderful set host was great you leave your sweeties in the lobby which was very much appreciated bit of the old brain sugar i sort of nibbled on them throughout the room which was much appreciated um but yeah we sort of when you say bringing in a new person we did it uh, myself laura and uh, laura's little sister who hasn't done a room before blasted through it but we blasted through it in large part because emma spotted a load of things that we just didn't at all that we basically discarded as set dressing and she went oh this this and this and she did that a couple of times. Um, and there was also, there was a bit where you were having to, I don't want to spoil anything, but there was a bit where you have to interact with a typewriter. And that's about all I'll say with that, but in a more complicated way. And she just went, oh, okay, and did it instantly. It's like, how have you done this whatsoever? And I was looking at it going, this looks complicated. And she'd looked at it and gone, oh, it's this, click. Never done a room before. And yeah, I totally agree with you, essentially, on that, on that um, fresh perspective. Yeah. And it's interesting, well, I've spoken to veteran teams about this, where they've got like 100 rooms or 200 rooms, and like the really good teams understand that this is a problem that they have and have to reckon with, and the bad teams who have just done a lot of rooms say the room is wrong. Mm. <laughs> have that sort of, that, that response of, no, 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 that, that should have been that kind of puzzle, and the cues were wrong, and mm, well, we've got a 90% success rate, so... The cues weren't wrong. Get off your high horse. For for most people, the cues are fine. I read a an article about it was kind of a sum up of, of philosophy, and the title of the article was um it was some one of those list things to like you know nine philosophical principles that you should use in your everyday life. Um, and it was like a five minute read. 
and most of them I've forgotten, but one of them really stuck with me. And I think it's really useful for escape rooms as well, as well as life. And basically, in a nutshell, it was seek clarity, not certainty. Ah, oh, that's a good one. So don't don't seek to have a viewpoint confirmed or reinforced. Look honestly for more information to further your understanding about a given subject or issue. Because there's a humility in seeking clarity and there's a there's a lack of humility in seeking certainty that I think closes people down. That's deep. I like it. And and we live in an age in which in, in so much of our lives, we are closed down. We have we have our viewpoint, and we have decided that viewpoint is right. And it's very, very difficult to engage with people who have a very different viewpoint because we just think of them as bigoted or just wrong or stupid. And maybe they are stupid. Sometimes they're stupid. They're people being stupid. But I think a lot of the time, what's happened is everyone has been kind of self-reinforcing and seeking certainty. And then when they meet the other certainty, really struggle because nobody's looking for clarity. Can I refer you to an episode of Pedagodzilla on yeah. Mesro's transformative learning? You cross-pollinating bastard. Well, it, it kind of addresses this. Or the, reason I, the reason it's in my head is because I'm currently writing up the book chapter for it. What's the, the title again? Uh, Mesro's transformative learning. The episode. Type in that into your smartphone. The, the title of the episode is "How do spooky Muppets guide Scrooge through transformative learning?" Hey, nice. give it a listen. Sorry, Jamie, I interrupted. No, fa- yeah, <clears throat> it is fascinating like, observing people doing puzzles, and you once you do it enough, you'll the, the, the psychology behind it, and how people think and interact, and how like and how much I suppose how much baggage they can bring with them through like the biases from doing mm. hundred rooms or a thousand rooms or one room. It's, it's it's amazing, and I don't think it's been tapped that well yet. People have done like studies on it, but not nearly enough. I feel like the conversations that um, uh, Christina is having really start to address that because they're approaching escape rooms from a semi-philosophical but also slightly kind of cognitivist perspective, um, which is really really interesting. The links um, that they're pulling together, yeah. That's, um, yeah. Uh, keep an eye, keep an ear out for mine and Jamie's interviews with yeah. them uh, in the near future. Hey. Accidental cross <laughs> Speaking of which, Michael, uh, you fisted a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> um, did I? No, you didn't actually. You you didn't actually. You 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 spoke in a way that suggested that's what you were doing. No, it was all about the fucking key, which was the one bit of this puzzle that didn't really work. I, do you know what? I I I must have missed the fish shaped key. So I'm I'm pretty sure it was in that. I'm I'm really happy that Jamie said, yeah, I think it was there. Um, <laughs> I'll go back and check. And if it's not there, then it will be there now. You notice a fish shape. I drew a regular key. That was my problem. I drew a regular key. Mm. So what was supposed to happen there? And to be fair, maybe I didn't. This this may have been due to a, a fuzzy bit of description. What was supposed to happen there was supposed you were supposed to use the pole with the hook on it to reach through the window. And basically dangle a real fish that the penguin would want to eat on kind of or next to or on top of the fish key. So the penguin eats the whole thing, starts to choke and runs out with the fish key. Ah. Ah, okay. So when oh. you start throwing fish at it, you were completely on the right track. You just didn't have the right tool. Uh, but then you guys got the tool and then said, oh, can't we just reach the key from the other side, from the penguin hole with the stick? And I said, no, you can't reach it because that's not the way you're supposed to solve the puzzle. And then in my head, I went, oh, fuck, you must, you can reach it because you have to reach it from one side or the other with the stick. Shit, what have I said? 
And what I should have done is I should have described the room initially in such a way that the cage was quite close to, to the window side of the room, but quite a long way from the penguin hole side of the room so that you could only have put the stick through the window side to get to the key. Uh, so there was a bit of a fuzzy description, which given that I came up with the specifics of this in 90 minutes, <laughs> I'm happy enough with. I, I feel like with puzzles like that, though, you always have to kind of... If if somebody comes up with a workable solution, you have to you have to like yes. in the same way that my my MOOF episode, my museum of figurines, and they were like, we climb up Batman's nipples and jump on, and you're like, okay, I guess, yeah, that does work. Yeah. Piss <laughs> with the bits that I've given you and the my mental picture of this room, that really does work. Fuck, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, it's the curse of the alternative solve. Yeah, um, I, I'll be honest with you, John. I, even by that description that you've described, that didn't match my mental picture of the room, so I think I would have struggled with that interesting it's always the the gap between what you describe and what people draw either on paper or in their head is a fascinating one because you can describe something quite carefully and then people come up with a whole variety of different interpretations like chinese whispers yeah. i mean that, that's a puzzle in itself just mm. john's seed john have you got any interesting penguin trivia for us i have humboldt penguins do genuinely all have different spots oh. they are unique to each penguin much like a human fingerprint i went with a huddle of penguins which is correct however there are other names for a group of penguins now i don't want the bit about the bbc director general where's it gone <laughs> that did not land at all i was disappointed we're not as cultured as i you mean done. i'm sure our american listeners will, will understand who he is oh yeah they'll love or, it or our other british listeners who will be equally confused <laughs> so collective nouns for penguins there are actually several of them there can be a huddle of penguins a waddle of penguins mm. a rookery of penguins or a colony of penguins mm. uh so yes there are various different ways of describing penguins in that way but yes this is genuinely based on the penguin enclosure at wingham zoo in east kent which i've been to several times and i originally i wanted to take photos of the penguins and use the photo. Oh, that would have been lovely. Uh. But the, the the problem is it didn't quite work because while the, the spot patterns are very distinctive, it's quite difficult to kind of, it's quite difficult to sort of pass that into a pattern that you can then repeat with just painted dots and, and it work well mm. and be clear. So there was, a, there was a big readability issue. So in the end, I dumped it, but kept the kept the core idea. Also, in the original idea for the room, you were going to you were going to time travel. There was going to be a radio playing whatever was the current number one, and the key was not unlocking a chest. It was unlocking a genuine thing that exists in this penguin enclosure, which is this sort of central hole in the ground, which has a cage over the top of it, so the penguins can't go in. And it's where the pool sort of overflows into, and the water gets recycled mm. by pump. And that was going to be a time traveling vortex into the penguin past. And you'd come out and there would be a different song playing on the radio. Ah. Different year. <clears throat> nice. And you would have a different group of penguins in front of you. And that's how you would know. But I thought that was too too convoluted. So I just went with, there's an old version of the sign. <laughs> to be fair, I think that worked nicely, though. That, that, that and the statement works nicely. That's why I was begrudgingly sitting there going, ah, it's a Fuck, that's a well put together puzzle piece. <laughs> like that was that was that worked really well. Also, you couldn't pay me to stand in penguin water because penguin water. Christ, they are fucking filthy. The stench really? of penguin water is they terrible. They poo a lot. They poo a lot. And it is indeed that hazy green. Yes, you fell deliciously into my trap. You attacked the puzzle from all the right angles, lacked the correct information, abandoned one of your angles as incorrect, and then failed to return to it later without a prompt. 
when you've had all the right information. It was delicious. <laughs> well, I'm, hap- I'm happy Meh. for you, John. <laughs> <laughs> I miss John being away. That was great. <laughs> well, that's last orders, gentlemen. Is anybody coming in hot? I've, <clears throat> I've got a something. It's less, less of a coming in hot, like a rant, um, but more of a, of a mm. thing that I did recently. Which I, I was. Oh, do tell. Um, so last week, uh, me and my good good lady wife spent the evening in a luxury overnight mystery escape, immersive event evening, which is all of those things rolled into one called the Locksmith's Dream. So we ended up going to this um, manor house in Monmouthshire called Trioin, and we got there at like midday on a Wednesday, and we left at midday the following day, and that. Barring a little bit of sleep, that entire 24-hour period was us traipsing up and down stairs, finding secret passageways, interacting with actors, solving codes, unlocking lockboxes, finding snippets of mysteries, and just... Okay, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. So so are you the only people there, or are there multiple, like, lots of guests and... There's about 20 of us all together. So um, there's 11 rooms in the manor. It's like a proper 17th century manor house. Um, there's, yeah, 11 rooms, two people per room. So there's around yeah, 22 of us all together. Uh, each couple that goes there is given a persona. So we were, uh, Lord and Lady Vine. We were given a masquerade mask, um, a little briefing on, um, the game itself. And we also had a sponsor. Um, there are like half a, do- <laughs> there were like half a dozen factions in this game, all with different, um, motivations and your reason for being there is to collect uh little snippets of law left behind by the gods that meet at this location once a year and you're to collect these bits of law to give to your sponsor oh I love it's, it. it's, it's all it's all based on um the game cultist sim- cultist simulator um okay and, oh, i've heard good things i've heard that. really good things uh and it's yeah it's the single most immersive thing i've i've been to the entire time we were there we were there was uh, about half a dozen actors that are there who didn't drop character the entire time we were there, even when like they weren't being observed. Two of the actors, I, I was sort of spying on them a little bit, do them a creep. And um, I saw two of them interacting with each other, talking about um, certain lockboxes and clues around the family history. As far as I'm aware, they didn't know anybody else was within earshot, but they still carried on. And I used that little snippet of law to unlock one of the boxes somewhere else in the house. Okay, so there's two possibilities here. One... Jamie's a cheating scumbag. <laughs> Two, they genuinely do that irrespective of whether anyone's there. Actually, the third possibility. The third possibility is they have a way of queuing, of knowing that someone is there. Because I'm just thinking for the sheer length of time. So how does sleep work in this? Everyone Does everyone go to bed at a certain point? Like, at what point does everyone kind of come off shift? Because you've got to sleep yeah, in that. So the, the day is split into um, a, like a day segment and a night segment. So the day segment, we... Um, have lunch. We just wander around the grounds, and we can start collecting these little snippets of lore that are dotted around the house, interacting with the characters, and getting more information around the story. Then there's like a seven course dinner, and then then you go to your room and you get your masquerade mask. That becomes the the house of the moon, and that's when things get more dangerous. You're not allowed to be anywhere in the ha- in the house more or less without your mask. Otherwise, fucking interdimensional entities will very punch drunk. Yeah. Um, so then that goes on till about 11 o'clock midnight. Everyone retires to their rooms and winds down. And then we're up again at 7 a.m. for breakfast and it, and it starts again. So apart from the sleeping bit, okay. they're all there in character pretty much all the time. And it's uh, because it's like a grade 
one or two listed building there's not much many mod cons installed so like cctv and stuff as far as i'm aware isn't a thing so they can't observe mm. you to know that someone's coming to be in character they are just there constantly and it's yeah it was it was amazing um and it's one of those things where it's like part escape room part larp part immersive theater part mystery dinner um part role play there's a big big murder mystery vibe there too. yeah and there's like because it's an old house there's, there's actual like priest holes under the floorboards that we discovered and we're encouraged to visit wow it was nuts absolutely nuts um yeah locksmith stream is called um locksmith stream Huh. There'll be a link Dare to this in the show. Jamie, how much? Um, <laughs> it's the kind of thing that you would do for a special occasion or an anniversary. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, a grand? Yeah, north of a yeah. grand. It's okay. Mike's face is doing the screen painting it's, right it's, now. It's, it's it's definitely, and now he looks like a bulldog. It's definitely a, um, a luxury um, thing, but the. It, it does show with the attention to detail in everything that's been put in there. The the actors that were there, um, like the meals they were serving and things like that, it was very much a... So it's all included, the bed, the yeah. food. Okay, what are we talking, Michael? You've got the page in front of you. Yeah, I'd say Google it yourself. Uh, I'd say I'd say, I'd say go to locksmithdream.com uh, and just clench everything. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, yeah. Um, Laura has has been to this house before. It turns out Laura used to stay there when she was younger, uh, from time to time uh, with family. She speaks very highly of it. And uh, yeah, you should have seen the glee coming off of Jamie uh, coming out the back end of this, so, which speaks volumes. So I'll be honest with you, uh, I might have to look into that. It, it was yeah, it was amazing. Even even, even at them prices, I might have to look into and that. And if like. Because I know the people that were there, there was a really oh my god, there was a really diverse mix <laughs> of people. Um, so me and me and men were the escape room crowd. There were a pair of larpers there. There were a pair of immersive theatre goers there. There were there were a lot of people there that were just really big fans of the cultist simulator universe. Um, but I know that they are planning in the future similar experiences at the same location, but based on Lovecraft uh, law and Cthulhu. Oh, that's amazing! Be terrifying, but also amazing. So check it out. Wow, fair enough. What a recommendation! I'll uh, I'll jump in with a, a quick a quick hotness as well. Um, not even not even a, a hotness, just a quick plug really. Um, waffled on about Pedagodzilla earlier. Uh, an episode coming out uh, by the time that this has released. Um, about when does this release, Michael? I don't know when this releases. I've missed you so much, John. <laughs> this this episode will be releasing, I think, on either the sixteenth or twenty third. Yeah. Oh, those goddamn Patreons. Um, we love you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, quick, quick plug. Uh, by the time that this uh, releases, uh, there'll be an episode out on Pedagodzilla on communities of practice. It'll be our second time talking about communities of practice. Uh, we'll be doing it with the copyright waffle people. But critically, it's communities of practice understood through the Muppet Show. Um, but also talking about how to essentially establish community of practice yourself. And if you are a person, what works with other people? Uh, and you're wondering why these people are either great and you love working with them and you learn a lot around them, or they suck and you hate your job and everything to do with it, then this could be the episode for you. Superb. Well, and on that note, I think the pub is closing its doors. So we better head on home to our bed. First, a kebab and chips on the way. Oh, and some scampi mm. fries for the road. Come on, now we're talking. No, no, no. I'm having the seal jerky. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> I, I feel like there's an untapped joke there. Like, how do you make a seal jerky or something? But 
there's there's definitely something i'll be honest i wrote that very quickly uh with about four minutes before the episode was due to run so there was definitely i was writing going there's some potential for something here and i'm just not how do you make a seal jerky quickly something like there's something in there but stick michael's fishy hand up it i guess maybe that feels like it's just penetrating a seal really isn't it (laughs) just also hello officer final fact (laughs) final fact so i had a bad end oh if you fail would you like the bad end yeah go on okay so here's the bad ending with a sickening roar the bear completes his meditation he whips out a claw reaches through the bars and in one deft move cuts your timber lock in two the gate swings open the bear bears his claws gnashes his teeth licks his lips and then stops he stares not at you but past you as a huddle of penguins somersault to your side, one of them whips out a cigar, breathes the smoke in deeply, looks at the bear and says, Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. The bear flees, <laughs> terrified. It had never seen a penguin before. <laughs> I love it. I like that. Oh, I'm getting sued. <laughs> I like that penguin. The Madagascar penguins are cool. How's that the bad are. ending? That feels like a good ending. <laughs> well, um... Yeah, it's probably more, the more fun of the two. But fun fact, a polar bear's never met a penguin. What? Even in captivity? Never. Polar bears live in the Arctic. Penguins live generally in the right, Antarctic. So edit so edit this fact backwards. This fact needs to be in yeah. that bit of the show. They're as far away from each other as it is geographically possible to right, be. So we need to get a GoFundMe on the go. To get a penguin. I, I thought it would be like an elephant meeting a mouse, that the, the giant yeah. creature would just go, oh my God, uh, and yeah. flee. I mean, they should meet, they should meet in up, the middle. Yeah. So, you know, it cuts on travel. At the equator, <laughs> they, they meet. Ironically, probably in Madagascar. That's true. That's about like, right. They're fucking hot, man. And a penguin. Like matter and yeah. antimatter, they meet and suddenly you've got a winged bear that's waterproof. You're like, no! Oh, they meet. Or <laughs> yeah. the penguin eats the bear. Wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There'd definitely be some un, like, unforeseen yeah. circumstances. Unthought, unforeseen that's circumstances. kind of bullshit yeah. a penguin would pull, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's that's make it happen. Oh, and all of the penguins were named after famous penguins. So you've got Pingu and Mumble and the uh, the some of the penguins from Madagascar. Oh, all of them had a uh, penguin names. Who's Mumble? Mumble's from Happy Feet. I I've only ever Mumble's seen Elijah Wood's character in Happy Feet. I've seen Feet. like five minutes of the movie. Who the fuck uh, is Chili Willy? Isn't Chili Willy the person that used to get the ice cream Chili from, Willy. from Chinese um, restaurants? He is a cartoon character. He is from the fifties. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I recognise that. It's that one. It's that one, that guy. Wow, they could get away with anything in the 50s, couldn't they? <laughs> mm. Makes me wonder, does the penguin on the penguin bar have a name? The penguin mm, bar? The biscuit. Oh, yeah. Sorry? Yeah, the penguin. Oh! Mm. I don't know, but I really hope that it's getting royalties. Let's have a look. They definitely serve Oh, them. hang on. I think... Uh... I've got it. Yeah, there is oh. one. You're not going to believe this. Have I, have I missed a crucial penguin possibility here? Yeah, his name's Tim Davis. <laughs> Turns out lots of people yes. know that. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> what a callback. <laughs> if anyone out there remembers that callback, then they have an incredible brain. <laughs> right, finish a drinks, lads. Home time. Cool. 99, everybody. Drive safe. Good night. Love you. Bye. Bye for now.